Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody. We are in the midst of holiday shopping and trying to get that perfect gift and working on staffing. And it's the middle of December. We're seeing the coronavirus um, cases begin to surge again. We're not seeing so many in the hospitals, but we are seeing the numbers increase. And I thought about what could I do? What gift could I give to my nurse leader listeners to really get, just pay it back? And so I've decided to start a series called Short and Sweet. So the Short and Sweet series is going to be a series where I take some of the really common questions that I get from the nurse leaders that reach out to me, and we're going to answer them short and sweet to the point, get to the results that you have been looking for. So some of the topics that we're going to cover in these short and sweet sessions are going to include things like one-on-ones. How do you have them with your staff? What do you talk about? How do you develop them? One-on-ones with your boss. What do those look like? Uh, Visibility as a leader. How do I show up as a visible leader? How to structure and run a meeting so that you can get results. How many of you, I know you're raising your hand, have been in a meeting where you're literally just sitting there and it's talking and talking and talking. The one hour passes and you feel like you're in the exact same spot. We're going to put an end to that and utilize people's time wisely. We're going to talk about how to write a business plan and get stakeholder engagement so that you can get the resources that you need. That's one of the big things that I have nurse leaders call me about. Like, how do I convince whoever that I need these resources? What does a business plan look like and how can I get that buy-in? For the nurse entrepreneurs that check into Nurse Leader Network, we're going to have stuff for you too. We're going to cover things like how I went from being a chief nurse executive to owning and running my own business. We're going to talk about things like common mistakes that new entrepreneurs make and how to avoid them. And we're going to talk about one of my biggest questions that I get asked, which is how do I get started? Like, how do I go from depending on a regular paycheck to actually making that leap? So we have a ton in store over the next several weeks where we're going to have these short and sweet podcast sessions that are going to get you the results that you have been waiting for. So let's go ahead and dive in. Today, this is the number one question that I get both from entrepreneurs and from nurse leaders that are working either in academic settings and hospitals, healthcare, you name it. That question is, Chris, how do I get trust building on my team? How do I build trust on this team? And so I'm going to start with the important part, which is why should you even build trust? Maybe that's a question you didn't have, but why should you build trust? The number one reason is that it is a form of psychological safety. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with psychological safety, psychological safety on a team is going to guarantee that we have patient safety, we have staff safety, and we increase our retention. So I'll get a lot of questions around like, how do I increase my staff's motivation? How do I increase their retention, right? I'm having this crazy turnover. How do I decrease the conflict on my team? How do I stop bullying or incivility? How do I make my team more collaborative? Or how do I make them have a commitment or some type of loyalty to the work that it is that we're doing? And the number one thing that you can do is begin building trust. You build the trust, you have a culture of trust, and all of those other things are going to fall right into place. So I commonly find 
that there are two types of leaders that typically struggle with building trust on the team. And you don't have to raise your hand, but just listen to what those two types are. So the first type of leader that I commonly find that struggles to build trust on a team is the type of leader that's kind of in that place where they're like, hey, I have the degree, I have the experience, I have the knowledge, I've been there, I know how to do these things a little bit better. My team needs to really do what I say because I know, I know best, I've been there, I've done that. And so this type of leader is constantly kind of telling the team, hey, this is what you got to do. This is how you got to do it. And the reason you need to trust me is because of ABCD things. Or if you don't, you know, you're not going to be on my team. If that sounds like you, you're going to want to pay attention to this. And then the second type of leader that I see that has a lot of difficulty building trust is the kumbaya leader. So the kumbaya leader is the leader that is like, we are friends. We are friends before we're anything. I've got your back. You've got my back. I don't want to have any type of conflict. And then we have the leaders that are in the middle, right? We have some that are right in the middle. We have some that don't have any problems with trust, right? And if you are one of those leaders, I'd love for you to call me up so we could bring you on the show and share all of the great work that you're doing. But we have those two types of leaders that can commonly struggle with building a trust on the team. And we'll get into how to build that trust in a minute. But just so that everybody's kind of aware of why those two leadership styles may have trouble with building trust, the first style around the kind of I know best, it really makes staff feel inadequate. And anytime you, you know, we've been in those situations, right, where somebody's maybe looking down on us or, you know, it doesn't believe in us the way that we believe in ourselves and it doesn't make you feel good. And so when you have staff that are not heavily involved in the work that they're doing, they're not going to own that work. Even if you do know best, they're not going to own that work and you're going to have a difficult time building trust. Now, on the flip side, the kumbaya leader, which when I became a leader, that was a leader that I identified as, is the one that because they want to stay friends, because they're uncomfortable with conflict, they're going to make staff feel like they can't be trusted, right? If I bring a problem to you, you don't want to tackle that head on. And so that can be a huge problem with leaders that really are trying to just like keep the peace and make everybody friends. You don't realize that, number one, you can't be friends with your staff, right? I mean, you can be friends, but there's limits and you have to be able to hold yourself and other staff accountable. And sometimes you can't do that as a friend. You need to do that as a coach. You need to do that as a mentor. And that's your job as a leader. So those are the two types. Commonly see have struggles with that, but there's also new leaders, right? So maybe you're a brand new leader and you just don't, you've never tried to build trust. So you're like, well, where do I start? I'd love to, I'm neither one of those leaders, but I'd love to really learn Or maybe you got put on a new unit and you're just like, wow, the culture here is really toxic. I want to do what I can so that they trust me because they didn't trust their last leader. So whatever the reason for the lack of trust is, we are going to talk about how you can get that trust today. Now, there's going to be two really important facets of trust building with your team. And these concepts you have to understand or you will not be successful. And those include... Number one, it's not going to happen overnight. So you can do, you know, trust building activity or all of the things we're going to talk about today. You can do those in the course of a week and trust building doesn't happen overnight. So you're going to have to give it time for people to um, begin to trust you. So number one, know that when you are working super hard at this trust building and you're like, it's just not happening, you have to give it time. The second thing is, 
Consistency is foundational. It's foundational. It has to be done for everyone, including that really difficult employee that knows how to get under your skin. You have to be consistent in your actions, in your decisions, and you have to be able to admit your own mistakes. So you've got to make sure that you are patient. It won't happen overnight. And you have to be consistent with these activities. You can't do them once and do a one and done and say it didn't work. You've got to do it over and over and over again. Same thing with, think about relationships, right? So in a relationship, if you're in a relationship and somebody professes their love for you, but then they kind of back away, you start questioning like, well, is that really true? Or, you know, think about parents. If they're not consistently showing up, you don't know what to think. You don't know what to believe. So you want to be consistent. We are going to go ahead and we've talked about now why we should build that trust, right? We've talked about some challenges that there might be to building trust. And we've talked about like the must-haves, which is won't happen overnight, must be consistent. So now we're going to talk about how do you actually do it? How do I begin to build trust on my team? Step one, build positive relationships. What the heck does that mean? What does build positive relationships mean, right? Like that's very abstract. So what are some actual things you can do today to start building positive relationships. It's super obvious, but the number one thing is you need to ask your staff how they're doing and you need to listen to them. We are busy as nurse leaders. And so sometimes we're strolling around the unit or strolling around our staff area and we ask people how they're doing. And the reality is what's on our mind is the finances, the staffing, the supplies, whatever it is. And we're not truly listening to that person. So Number one thing is really ask and then listen to how they are. And remember I said consistently, not once. It's not a one and done. I'm not going to go into my unit, ask everybody how they are, and then not come back for three months and ask. Um, So this should be every time you see them, every day you want to go in. How are you doing? What's going on? Tell me about some of the great things that are happening in your life. Tell me about what some of the struggles are. You want to really hone in on any challenges that they're having professionally. So if, you know, there's something going on in the unit and they're not getting what it is that they need to do their job, you really want to hone in on those and you really want to hone in on um, their family life. So if they're not sharing, you can always ask and I'll I'll go into what that might look like, but you can always ask different ways, but you want to understand what's happening because the person in front of you is a whole person, right? And they don't spend their entire lives at their job. So you really need to understand the whole person so that you could support them the best way possible. So ask, listen, and then follow up with that. So if I've come to you and I say, how are you doing? And you're saying, I'm not doing really well. My son, you know, is sick or whatever it is. You need to go back and you need to ask about that. So even if it's like pulling out your notes and your phone and just making a quick note about, hey, let me go back and ask that again, especially for, I know some units have like 70 and 80 staff. It's hard to do that, but you need to make sure that you loop back around because that makes people feel cared for. That builds positive relationships. Next, you want to make sure that you believe your staff. I'll give you an example. So remember I told you I was that kumbaya leader, right? And uh, early on in my leadership career, I had, I went from being peers, I had a group of peers, and then I ended up getting promoted and became um, a supervisor over that peer group. And we had several people come to me and complain about one of my peer group members on the team. And I knew that peer and I was like, there's no way that what they're saying can be true, right? That person's not nasty. That person isn't saying mean things. That person, I had multiple people come to me and say, I don't want to work with that person anymore. 
And I was just like, I don't, I don't get it. I, being the Kumbaya nurse uh, leader, did not approach that peer member. I did not approach them. And about, you know, like a month or two had passed, had gotten maybe like four or five different concerns. And I was just kind of documenting them and observing, but I didn't approach the peer member. And one day the peer member came into my office and closed the door and was like, Chris, we need to talk. And I was like, sure, what's up? And the peer member said, why didn't you tell me that nobody wanted to work with me? And I was like, huh, what do you mean? And, and this peer person was like, yeah, I found out that nobody wants to work with me. Why, why didn't you tell me? Like, that's your job. Your job was to tell me, you know, that there was an issue and you didn't. And I feel really let down. Like you were my friend and, I, you know, I don't understand why you didn't come talk to me. And I can tell you in that moment, not only had I lost the trust of the folks that had made the concern, I lost the trust of my peer member because I didn't hold that person accountable. I didn't go and have the conversation. Come to find out there was some medical issues going on with this person and they were struggling. And I didn't, if had I stopped and had that conversation with that peer member, I would have found out not only that they were struggling, but I would have been able to be more supportive to them. And I would have been able to have the conversation earlier so that they didn't feel guilty that other people didn't want to work with them. So that's my experience around why we have to make sure that we are consistent and that we believe what our staff are telling us. Because I was just like, there's just no way this person's too nice. It's not possible. And I wasn't listening. I wasn't truly listening. I had my own rosy glasses on and they were completely incorrect. Let's go back again. You're going to ask your staff and listen personal and professional, and you're going to believe them when they come to you with whatever issues that they have. Now, the next thing that you're going to do is respect them. We don't have to agree with others' opinions, right? Maybe you have staff that are choosing not to be vaccinated and you're like, you got to get vaccinated or else whatever is going to happen, right? Or maybe you have staff that have certain political views or certain whatever it is. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to respect it. So you should not be making snide comments about whatever it is. You should not be talking behind their back. Oh my God, this person's not vaccinated. That is not respect. That if, if somebody on your team member has made whatever decision that they have made or whatever you know, opinion that they have, your job is to respect that. Don't need to agree with it, um, but you need to be respectful of it and so make sure that you not put them down. You also need to be respectful, not just of opinions, but of people's time, right? So I've seen over and over again where, you set up a meeting with one of your staff, something happens and you're running late or you have to cancel it. People's time matters. That staff member's time matters. And so we should not be like, oh yeah, I can cancel that one-on-one with whoever because of whatever else is going on. Unless there's a large emergency, in which case you need to go back and let the person know what that emergency was. That that's what you need to do. So you need to make sure that you're respectful of people's time. Another way nurse leaders tend to not be respectful of people's time is by scheduling meetings and then going over those meetings. So let's say, for example, my meeting scheduled to end at two. If at 2.05, I'm still talking, I am not being respectful of your time. So you wanna make sure you assign a timekeeper, whatever it is that you do, because when you say something should end, it needs to end at that time. So be respectful of people's opinions and of people's time and of their ideas. Again, I see so many nurse leaders who their staff will bring up some type of issue and then they'll bring up a resolution and the nurse leader is like, we've tried that. And that's the end of it. And then the staff walks away and is like, I'm not going to bring up any more ideas. It doesn't matter if you've tried it before. There is always a different frame or lens or way that we can incorporate something new. You want to involve your staff in the work that they're doing every day. 
If it didn't work, say, hey, this is what we've tried in the past. What are your thoughts on different tweaks that we can do? Do not shut down your employees' ideas. My employees' ideas were the ideas that saved money, were the ideas that saved staff, were the ideas that helped with patient safety. These ideas didn't come from me. They came from the people doing the work every day. And so it's really important that we allow them to share their ideas and we don't shut them down like that's not going to work. There's always a will and a way and a different way that we can tweak it. So you're going to make sure that you're respecting opinions, you're expecting time, and you're respecting ideas. A few other important things that are really crucial to building trust on your team is number one, follow through with the complaints and the concerns that your staff bring you. So we've talked a lot about um, different things that you can do, but when your staff brings a concern or complaint up to you, whether it's justified, whether it's not justified, whether there's something you can do about it, whether there's nothing you can do about it, you want to circle back with your staff. So you're going to go back to them after they've brought up whatever they've brought up and say, hey, This is either what I can do, what I can't do. This is why I can't do something with it. This is what I'm working on. Give me some of your feedback around how you think we should address this, but never let them give you concerns and complaints and then it just go into the abyss. You've got to circle back on it. And if it's something that's going to take a long time to do, you want to do regular and routine updates around what you're doing to proactively manage it. You also want to make sure that you do what you say you're going to do. So a lot of times us nurse leaders, we pack our schedules and we think we can fit the entire world into an eight-hour day or a 12-hour day. And the reality is that just isn't the case a lot of the time. So do not overcommit to what it is you say you're going to do. If you say, I'm going to get back to you on Tuesday, you need to get back to your staff on Tuesday. If you say, I'm going to look into ABCDEFG, you want to come back around and talk to them and say, hey, this is what I've done. I've addressed it or I've you know, this is who I'm waiting to talk to or whatever it is, but you want to make sure you loop it back. You want to make sure you do what you said you did. And if there's some issue or some reason why you couldn't do what you said you were going to do, you still loop back and share with them whatever it is that happened, right? Maybe there was some emergency that happened. And so I couldn't send that email tonight, but this is, you know, I'll be sending it first thing in the morning. So that's really, really crucial as well in terms of building trust. Remember, your goal as a nurse leader is not the finance, the staffing, the safety, the all of this stuff. That is in your job description, and that's great. However, the role of a nurse leader is to grow and support the people that we are leading. If you are not doing that, you're in the wrong role. So aside from you know whatever job you're in, because you're going to move jobs and hopefully get promoted, the job description is not what makes you a leader. What makes you a leader is that you are building your people up. And if you're not respectful, of their opinions, their time, and their ideas, you are not building your people if you're tearing them down. So we've talked about how to do it, number one, with building positive relationships. So those are some things that you're going to do to build the positive relationships. Number two, you want to show your staff that you care. How? Let me tell you, honey, it's not with pizza, okay? So that's a nice thing. I'm not going to say stop the pizza, Um, but there are a couple different things that you can do. So I know, for example, one of the things that I did with my staff was I would randomly go to kitchen, grab coffee, grab all kinds of snacks, and I'd go up and I'd do rounding and I'd be handing out coffee and tea and whatever. And it was my time to just connect with my staff. And again, I would come to them and I always use something called fun fact. And so fun facts are, tell me something about you that I can't find on your resume, that I don't already know. You know, I'm not going to find it on LinkedIn. Like, tell me something that's a fun fact. And I always would share with my staff, my fun fact is I can roller skate backwards or My fun fact is I'm kind of an animal hoarder and I have a whole ton of animals. 
But what is your fun fact? Something. And I found such great diversity in my team around people that pickled vegetables and people that were DJs and somebody who did ballet, like all of these really cool and different and interesting highlights. And then it not only helped me kind of become and get into their world, it helped me leverage their different talents that they had when we had different projects going on. So one way you can show people that you care is to find out more about them on the personal side, not just the professional side. There's also a really cool ball that you could buy on Amazon, and it's like a prompt ball for um, employee engagement. And basically, it looks like a soccer ball, but on each of the little like quadrants of the ball, um, there's some type of prompt. And so you throw the ball to somebody, and wherever their thumb lands, it's a prompt, right? And so it'll say things like, what was your favorite thing about high school? Or, you know, just things that would prompt you to get to know one another. And so I would bring that ball to my meetings, and before I'd start a meeting, we would throw the ball around for, you know, two, three minutes and each get to know each other a little bit better. So that is one game that you can do to kind of get to know your people better and then be able to show them that you care. There's also a really great book. It is called The Love Language for Employee Appreciation. And so this book is a book that you may have heard or may not have heard of the five love languages, right? So we do these five love languages with our partners to see how do they like to receive love. And then we do it with our kids But there's also a book to do it with your employees to see what it is that looks like caring to them. So you can, number one, ask your staff, what does caring look like to you? What activities can I do? Or what is it that I can do to show you that I care for you? That's the easiest way to find out because then you can show them that way. Or you can go through this book where they all get to do a little quick test, um, find out what their caring language is in terms of how you can show them you care. And then you find out and you can do it. So The book, again, is called The Love Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. It's by Chapman and White. And you'll be able to tell if your people like words of affirmation. So then you'll know you need to be using the language more to show them that you care. You'll know if quality time is one, right? So how can you do some employee bonding? You'll know if gifts is one. So maybe there's little tiny treats and tokens that you can give. Or I know um, I shared in a previous podcast that there was uh, like these nursing books, right? Every time somebody did something great, you could hand them a nursing book. And then at the end of the month, they could take all of those books they got for doing something great and get something from a little store that the nurse leader has. Is acts of service one, right? Some people are like, hey, can you stop what you're doing and help me with this IV? And that is their love language. And there's others that are just like, that's not helping me. Like go do what something else is the way that I want you to show me the way that you care. So that's another really great way to um, show people you care. You have to understand just like in everything with nursing, right? We have to assess first. We have to assess what caring looks like to our staff, or we'll just be guessing. And we want to make sure we don't do that. Another great way to show your staff you care is there's another book called Start With Why, and, um, or Find Your Why is the second book, and that's the one that I used. And uh, Find Your Why is a book that teaches you how to, on the team, find why it is that you do every day, right? So we say things like, oh, it's our patients. Oh, it's our this. Oh, it's our that. But there's actually something even deeper in there. Together as a team, you can explore what that deeper is. I did that um, activity at a, at a holiday party for my leaders um, when I was a nurse executive, and um, it was very well received. We came away from that meeting and that training and that holiday party really understanding what our why was, and then we proceeded to use that why to make our decisions. So the why is going to be, we do this because of this, which gives us this, right? And 
if we have a decision to make as a team around, do we want to go with this new strategy? Do we want to purchase this new equipment? Blah, 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 blah. We go back to the, what is the why? Why are we doing what we're doing? And if it doesn't align with that, the answer is simple. It's no, we're not going to go in that direction. We're going to keep going in another direction. So you want to look at that. Find your why. It's by Simon Sinek. That's a great book and one that I really love with um, team building. So we've talked about the first thing, which is the building positive relationships. And the second thing is showing your employees you care. So you've had some tips for showing your employees you care. The last thing is some trust building activities. So there's so many different activities. I shared with you the little ball one with, on Amazon that you can you know answer the prompt. Um, there's a, so many more though. So there's a, another one that you can buy also on Amazon or you, literally they're just um, cards. They're the size of a playing deck cards, but they have a picture on them. And there's maybe like 100 or 200 of these And you just kind of lay them out and and tell people, peruse through these different images, pick the one that represents you or a piece of your life, and then we're going to share about it. And so each person picks whatever picture that's there. And then they tell a little, you know, like two, three minute story of why they picked that card and what it means to them. And that's a way that, again, we start opening up and making it so that we are human to one another versus that's, you know, Sally from Four South. No, this is Sally from Forsyth that has a story and this is what her story is because when we understand and humanize people more, we trust them more. Another activity that I did is um, one from YouTube. So there's a YouTube video called the $100 race. And basically in that video, what happens is they have $100 at the end of like a park and they tell the participants that the person that gets to it first gets to keep that $100. And the way they get to it is they have to answer these questions or they take a step when they answer the question as a yes. And so what I mean by that is the question, one of the questions might be something like, if you've never gone to bed hungry um, because you didn't have enough money for food, take a step. And so what ends up happening is people that have had very privileged lives, maybe they've never been food insecure, maybe they've never had to choose um, food versus paying for the rent. Maybe they um, had two parents that stayed married. Maybe they never experienced a, a, you know, a loss early on in their lives. All of these things that are adverse childhood events that we know cause deficiencies and disparities in p- the way people develop, those are all kind of highlighted on the team. And so I brought my team along, put on the video, and I played it. And you find that the people that have had the toughest struggle are the ones that haven't taken very many steps. And then you kind of look back at, wait a minute, you know, we kind of get to learn each other's story. So I know when I did that activity, I've shared with my listeners, I grew up in foster care, had a lot of bad things happen. And I literally had only taken like two steps when there was about 30 questions that were asked. And the staff really saw like, hey, our nurse executive has had some struggles. Like, how can we help one another out? We We're not the same in terms of experiences that we've gotten, right? We're not the same in terms of maybe all of us have had Ivy League degrees that were paid for. We've not had that. So how can we help bring our team along for that ride if there's been disparities there? And so I did that. I used a $20 Amazon card. It was really, it was fun. We all cried, but it really is a way to build trust on the team because again, it's about exploring each person individually and you know who they are and what they bring to the table. I've talked about the fun facts one. So that is another activity where you just go around and say, what's your fun fact? I like to note those fun facts again, especially if you have a large staff, 
because then I'll bring them back up again. So if I'm rounding, I'll be, I'll come back and be like, Hey, you know, how's that pickling going? What's the latest thing you've pickled? When are you going to bring me some, right? Those kind of things. So you want to make sure you note them. And then for me, that helps me remember everybody that I have, right? So if I have a large, I had a nurse, I had like 379 nurses, I think in total or something like 300 and something nurses in total. And so to remember that many people, I had to use a fun fact. And then when I would round, I'd remember their faces and what their fun fact was. Another couple of things that you can do are going to be time together. So things like having dinner outside of work or, you know, doing like a roller skate night. I don't know. I'm making that roller skate night up because I just told you my fun fact is roller skating. But something that you can do outside of work. One of my units did have, I don't remember how many kids were graduating. It was something crazy, like seven kids on the unit of like, I don't know, you know, like a 30 bed unit or something. They had that many kids graduating from high school at the same time. So they threw the entire unit through a graduation party for all of those kids. All of the nurses got together and it was a really great um, experience for them. And it, again, is things that bring them together, time together. What can we do that are not like company holiday parties, but like, can we go to somebody's house and do a gingerbread making contest or something like that? So those kind of things. Lastly, and another great one is going to be to decide on a villain. So that villain should not be upper management. It should not be lower management. It should not be your peers. It should not be your patients. But decide on the villain that you're going to attack together. And some examples of what those villains might be are going to be things like productivity. Do we see that, you know, these nurses are having to walk all over the unit to get whatever equipment they need? You know, another one around like standardization. Are we just all doing things so differently that some time is being wasted versus not? Or are there safety hazards? Are there things that we're seeing? You know, our patients are getting, you know, happies or our patients are getting whatever it is that they're getting, their falls, whatever. Decide on what that villain is, unite around that villain, and then together come up with solutioning to attack how you guys are going to become the superheroes to deal with what that villain is. So that type of activity is really going to build trust on your team. The last one is going to really be the speak up rule. So the speak up rule is calling out bad behavior when you see it and calling out good behavior when you see it respectfully, but calling it out. So if you see, you know, during a meeting that a team member is rolling their eyes, you want to give the entire team permission to say, hey, I just noticed that you rolled your eyes. I felt whatever I felt about it. Help me understand what's going on, right? So we're calling out that bad behavior on the team with the team. Everybody has permission to do it. It shouldn't just be the leader calling out. It should be within each other calling it out. But then also, uh, you know, acknowledging the positive things like, hey, I want to just acknowledge that nurse so-and-so really helped me out. I was like struggling with all my patients and this nurse went in and passed my meds or whatever it is. So you want to call out good behavior and bad behavior. That, again, is going to help with the psychological safety. We've gone through a lot. There's a ton of little gems that I put in there in terms of how to build trust on your team. I'm going to leave it with these things because we've, again, covered a lot. If you start here, you're going to be well on your way to having a culture of trust. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Again, we're going to do these short and sweet episodes where we go over different topics that you all have brought up that you're interested in learning. We are going to cover it here on the Nurse Leader Network podcast. Until next week.